After reviewing the play, the call on the ice stands. We got a goal! Okay, fellas, we are set to go. Let's go! We are kicking. Watch the blue! Yeah, yeah. There we go. Yeah, baby. Number 47 for Boston. Both guys, five minutes each for fighting! Please move it! Please move it! Please move it! Please move it! Oftentimes, as we get to the final stages of an NHL season, you're sort of looking towards the finish line. Sometimes the games don't have a lot of meaning for at least one of the teams involved, and there's not really a lot to dissect and get into. Boy, have we been given a bounty this past week, Josh. <laughs> Just a, a whole lot to break down and a whole lot to compile, at least as far as penalty minutes go. We advise you to get comfortable, relax, make sure that you've got enough time to enjoy the full edition of the Scouting the Refs podcast. It is brought to you by Manscaped. There are special savings available for you with our Manscaped partnership. Use the code REFS, R-E-F-S, for your order and receive 20% off and free shipping. We will be using the phrase REFS a lot in this particular <laughs> in this particular edition. But here's, here's the thing about Manscaped, though. The absolute best deal, I think, on there, there's all kinds of great products that you can check out on the website manscaped.com. And the the performance package is probably the best deal going right now. And if you use our code REFS, it's an even better deal. The performance package is well, if I might be cheeky, it's the it, it really is the full package, isn't it? You want the the right tools to do the job. If you don't use the right tools, then the tools well, bad things happen. <laughs> Use the right tools on the jewels, maybe is the best way to oh, say it, Josh, wouldn't you say? Right tools for the jewels. That's a good one. You know, I was I was thinking that you need to make sure that, you know, your toolbox is contained and taken care of or that, you know, yeah. you don't want to damage the bag that goes with your tools. And I think that's part of it. But tools for the jewels is is I think a home run there, Todd. And I that's yeah. what it comes down to with the the performance package. You've you've got the right stuff to take care of the maintenance and then you've got the right things to uh to to take care of afterwards whether it's balm or lotion or, or things to keep it cool and refreshed down there you can you can take care of the complete package if you will right whether it's for a quick tidy up or whether you're doing the major remodeling and going for the whole new look manscaped has the right tools the lawnmower skin safe electric trimmer does amazing work a nice even cut no worry of nicks or cuts it's it's just like when you're mowing the lawn there's always that little imperfection on the ground that you always chop it too short that can't happen with the manscaped lawnmower don't miss out on this opportunity to save go to the website now manscaped.com use the code refs get 20 percent off and free shipping Please make sure you're following us on our social channels as well. For Josh, it's at Scouting the Refs on Twitter and Instagram. For me, it's at Todd Lewis Sports on both Twitter and Instagram. And yes, we like your questions via email to heyref at scoutingtherefs.com on this week's episode. Tom Wilson doing Tom Wilson things. Don't miss the opportunity to improve the NHL on TV. Tom Wilson suspension speculation, the ghost of suspensions, and still more Tom Wilson. I think that about covers it, don't you? It's Wilson, Wilson, Wilson. That's, <laughs> that's the theme. Okay, so maybe we should begin with kind of a, as, as quick a recap as I can give on the whole string of Wilson, we'll call it. So, 
Caps and Rangers, Monday night, 7.40 of the second period. Rangers get a shot on goal. Pavel Bushnevich follows up in the usual pickle stabber mention with the, with the goalie trying to pop the puck loose and have it squirt into the net. As the whistle goes, Bushnevich is shoved to the ice. Tom Wilson pounces down on top, gives him a punch to the head or the shoulder, depending on your interpretation. Then all hell breaks loose for about five minutes. Ryan Strom jumps on Wilson. Then everyone piles in. In the midst of the mayhem, Artemi Panarin jumps on Wilson. The Ranger forward, of course, no match for the behemoth Tom Wilson, who proceeds to toss him to the ice. Panarin loses his helmet. Wilson flings him up and down a couple of times. Things do finally settle down. Penalties on the play. Bushnevich and Brendan Dillon get two for roughing each other. Artemi Panarin gets two for roughing Wilson. Wilson gets a double minor for roughing Panarin and a 10-minute misconduct. Still with me so far, Josh? I am on board. Yes, this was what uh, was quite a moment and quite an impressive recap, Todd. Okay, so... We're just getting started with our trilogy. The next day, the NHL player safety announces Wilson has been fined $5,000, the max allowed, no further action. As is often said on late-night commercials, but wait, that's not all. Following the expected outrage by media members, some factions of the public, the New York Rangers release a statement expressing not only their disappointment that no further action has happened, but also accuse the league and player safety head George Peros of shirking their responsibilities, not being up to the job, and in the case of Peros, demanding that he be fired. Um, word out just a little while ago that the fine has been levied. It's $250,000 and an admonishment by the commissioner. By the way, I did the math. That's $2,232.14 per word of that statement. <laughs> Wow. And uh, and two hundred and forty five thousand dollars more than Wilson has been fined <laughs> over this whole series. OK, so needless to say, lots written, lots said in the few days since the incident. The two teams, conveniently enough, square off again at MSG on Wednesday night. And you know what's going to happen. It was 100 percent predictable and preventable. Puck drops for the opening face-off, gloves drop quickly thereafter. Three fights off the opening face-off, then Brendan Smith grabs Tom Wilson on his first shift. Those two fought, followed by Anthony Batetto and Michael Roffel, and then Ryan Strom and Lars Ellers go at it. I suspect that was because Eller was running his mouth in between games. That concluded the fights, but not the nonsense. The game was nasty. Pavel Bushnevich got into the action with a very dirty cross-check to the face of Anthony Mantha that will earn Bushnevich not only a major and a game misconduct, but a suspension is coming too because he has a hearing with the Department of Player Safety. Tom Wilson was given a misconduct later in the period, did not return due to an <clears throat> upper body injury. All told, 114 minutes of penalties and a messy contest. Where do you want to start with this one, Josh? We should probably take it at the top with the incident that started the entire avalanche of fallout here that has affected both teams, many players, lots of penalty minutes, a scorekeeper who went through probably 13 pencils in Wednesday <laughs> night's game just to keep tabs on all the minutes, and a penalty box attendant who was absolutely not able to practice social distancing during that match as well. So This is very true, yes. This, okay. So this all came from Wilson on Buknevich after that scoring chance. Okay, so my one of the many questions that I have in front of me with this whole thing is, in the initial melee, if you will, in the first game, did referees Wes McCauley and Francis Chiron make the right penalty calls? And I'm 
I'm thinking they could have and perhaps should have done more on this play. It's a tough scrum, and you know you try to balance that out. You want to see what's fair, what's going on on the ice. Is somebody in danger? Is somebody getting a distinct advantage? A um, little, little disconcerting. And I mean, you know, the linesmen are breaking up the initial two players as Wes McCauley just looks on with the remainder of the two teams wrestling, shoving, pushing. So I understand if the they're trying to keep it even up, and we see it a lot. Sometimes you'll give guys matching minors and send them off. Sometimes you'll penalize more frequently. But the idea is that when you've got this scrum after the whistle, you want to send the message. You want to send two guys off maybe and just kind of wave the rest of it because it was pushing, it was shoving, it was some gloved punches. It wasn't really a big deal for the most part. The one piece that does stand out to me was Wilson's takedown of of Panarin. And I know some Caps fans have been jumping on saying, well, Panarin jumped on his back. What do you want him to do? And well, he started it because he went after Wilson. Wilson's throwing punches on the ice. Panarin hops on top the rest of the team pushing shoving gloved punches grabbing the only part of that that breaks out is wilson throwing a helmetless panarin to the ice and then throwing some punches on him so looking at the play to me that deserved a little bit more of a call not sure how far you want to go with the unsportsmanlike there but obviously that was the most dangerous piece that came out of that sequence of events there so i think the officials were trying to keep it even i think they were trying not to accrue too many penalties when a lot of it was, uh, I would say, a relatively even back and forth. But uh, I think Wilson picking up the extra roughing in the 10-minute misconduct, nothing for uh, any additional unsportsmanlike on the play. Not entirely unreasonable given the circumstances, but you know, looking back at it and seeing whether it was a hair pull, which it may have been, but pulling a helmetless player down to the ice, certainly something you, you don't want to see and uh, may have deserved some additional penalties there. I wonder, too, that – and here's one that occurred to me, and, and this is a question for the, the rule book directly. Could you have called a third man in situation there? I mean, it was, it was both 10-on-10 both 10 10 there with five and five for each side. But could you have called a third man in joining an altercation? It doesn't have to be a fight necessarily. It's an altercation, isn't it? Well, you you didn't have, and it's interesting that you ask that, Todd, you didn't have a fight, which uh, was certainly something that I wanted to note. We had no fights on this. We had gloved punches. We had guys piling on. We had all of that happening, but we didn't have anything that would be designated as a fight. So in this case, you're you're not really looking at the third man in on on an altercation in this. We don't typically see it when you've got guys piled up like that. So if there were a fight, if we had two guys squaring off and somebody jumps in, that's typically when you see it. But you're right. The the wording of it is an altercation. Uh, it's just something that we normally only see when we're truly in something that would result in a fighting penalty. You did mention the takedown of Artemi Panarin and what gets everyone's attention is he has lost his helmet. I, I watched a lot of video, as just about everybody has. I tried, and it's very difficult to make out if Tom Wilson is actively trying to rip Panarin's helmet off before doing the takedown. There were some that also said, oh, he grabbed his hair and pulled his hair on the takedown. Again, depending on the angle, depending on what you're watching, that's, that's very difficult to say. But it leads me to another question. Is Wilson was given his additional punishment for his actions on Bushnevich. Could they have issued two separate fines for the takedown and for the punch to Bushnevich? They absolutely could have. 
there would be nothing stopping player safety from looking at two separate incidents, even with the same player, even in the same game, to assess a fine for what happened with Bukjanovich and what happened with Panarin. The only reason that I could come up with for why they didn't is that they felt that Wilson's actions on this play did not rise to the level to require supplemental discipline. And that doesn't mean that they don't think a penalty should have been called. It doesn't mean they don't think he should have been given a match penalty. I mean, they operate separately from the officials. So they're not opining on the call on the ice at all. They're looking at, did this act rise to the level that it necessitates supplemental discipline? And I imagine that they felt it did not. I understand there are certain situations, you know, we've got a, a missed high stick or a, a missed boarding call, and you need to see how bad it was. Does it deserve additional penalty or does it deserve that supplemental discipline separate from the on ice call to me I, I understand that point but i also think when you've got nonsense away from the puck when you've got non-hockey plays or things that have nothing to do with maybe a late hit or a boarding call as they were going for the puck something like this i think you need a little bit more leeway to say hey you know what this wouldn't be suspension worthy typically but Given the circumstances, given what happened, given that it had nothing to do with the hockey game as a whole, maybe we do need to take some action on this type of play. And and you have to make that determination before you consider who the person is. And I understand that player safety does that, and I understand why. So if it was Sidney Crosby performing this same act, or it was Pavel Buknevich performing this, or Artemi Panarin doing it to Tom Wilson, they need to look at the act itself and decide, is it suspension worthy? And only then do they look at the player in their history. So in this case, player safety deemed that that particular takedown did not justify a suspension or even a fine. Well, and, and here's where I'm going to jump around to both sides of the argument a, a little bit. I can't think of the last time and which research I did. I could not find the last time someone got suspended for their actions during a scrum. And they happen multiple times in every game. It's We've heard the phrase, you know, a, a good check that went bad. This is almost like a scrum that went bad with the actions of Wilson, who happened to get Panarin, who, who did, you know, a, a jump him from the back. But he's a far bigger, far stronger player than Artemi Panarin is. And it's because it's Tom Wilson, it's polarizing. Now, those that are pearl clutching and calling for Wilson to be suspended for the rest of the year or the rest of his life, it's absolute nonsense. However, as you said, maybe there is some discretion that could have been used in this case. And here's the clause that I don't think gets used enough. Disciplinary action can be taken for a player who, quote, whose conduct or actions are detrimental to the league or the game of hockey, unquote. There's your window of opportunity. Absolutely. There, we see plenty of situations where if you apply the rule book as it's written, there are circumstances where you can apply additional penalties or suspensions or other actions to what players have done. It's in the league's interpretation of those rules and their willingness to apply them that we see that variation on certain situations justify it and certain ones don't. I would argue that those actions were definitely detrimental to the game to an opposing player and i had someone challenged to say well you know what was tom wilson supposed to do and i said i i think in many cases when another player's safety is in his control or that his actions may have an impact on another player's safety he continuously chooses poorly with regards to the safety of his fellow players 
I think that's a great way to assess the actions. And it's there's there's a far greater risk of injury to a player who is out there, even if it is a, a somewhat uncontrolled situation of a scrum. But if a player does not have a helmet, he is in a more perilous position, which is why the rule was implemented this year. If you don't have a lid on, you've got to stop, put it back on, or immediately leave the ice. And I think the same the same circumstances kind of apply here that there was a far greater risk of injury. If a player loses a helmet during a fight, the officials tend to get in there and break it up rather quickly. Well, when it's two against 10 in the case of a scrum, that's pretty challenging. But this was a bad choice by Tom Wilson. I I agree. And I I think I understand fans looking at Tom Wilson and saying, oh God, it's it's this guy doing this again. And and maybe his actions weren't egregious. But I think from a league standpoint, you need to look at those situations, like you mentioned, Todd, if it's going to cause a serious injury, we need to prevent this from happening. And if that's enforcing a rule that's on the books, if that's leveraging things that we've got, maybe we need to revisit our criteria because there is no good, there's no positive aspect of what was coming out of that situation other than a scrum that escalated. So it's it's a tough spot, but if I'm leading the NHL Department of Player Safety, I'm looking at situations like this, scrums, things away from the puck, things like Gostas Bear, which we'll get to, that had nothing to do with the gameplay itself, where I want to come down harder on those. You know, it's not a late hit or a play gone wrong. This is nonsense. And it's it's something that you can argue whether it was justified, who started it or this, that particular act has no place in the game. And the league, I think, can do a better job of trying to get it out. This is the Scouting the Refs podcast. It's brought to you by Manscaped. Special savings are available for you with our partnership with Manscaped. Use the code REFS, R-E-F-S, for your order. You'll receive 20% off and free shipping. Now, there are continue to be a number of questions. First of all, let's, I guess, kind of go in order. There was no suspension. The Rangers, at least it appears, owner Jim Dolan took this particularly hard and issued that statement that was absolutely scathing. You knew that there was going to be retribution. I'm surprised a little bit that the league actually announced it, but they also wanted to make a point that this type of behavior is not going to be condoned. But I, I'm, I'm surprised that that there has been such criticism for the league coming down hard on, on James Dolan in this case, because you can't tell your boss he's an idiot and expect not to go unpunished. <laughs> well, it's it's a tough spot, right? I mean, you've got... Dolan, who's got the team, who's got one of the highest valued teams in the league, who certainly, I mean, let's face it, this was a Wednesday night hockey feature. The NHL had so many more eyes drawn on that game because of the controversy with Wilson that it's easy to look at it and say, well, this worked out fine for them. Look at all the attention it got. Look what happened. Look at the headlines. I mean, look at how many people who wouldn't be watching a Rangers Caps game, especially one that doesn't have implications for from a playoff standpoint. And they're tuning in because of all of this going on. So it's it's a, a tough spot when you're you're the league and you're getting now called out by that franchise, not as a whole, but specifically the Department of Player Safety and their head, George Paros, on, on how they're approaching things, which I know people challenge their consistency or, or how they approach things. They do have a logical approach to the way they do it. You might not always agree with the outcome, but you know, I can I can see why they arrived way at the resolution they did, uh, Jim Dolan doesn't agree with it. And he was happy to the tune of a quarter million dollars to voice that displeasure. 
Well, as we said, over $2,200 a word, and I don't know if he got his money was worth or not, but he certainly, uh, he certainly did put out some words. Now, but, but here's, here's the thing with, with all of this, too. And, and you're right, there would have been plenty of eyeballs. I'm anxious to see what the ratings are and, of course, what the arguments will be for or against the rating number that comes out for Wednesday Night Hockey. The NHL can talk all they want about the emphasis on speed, on skill, on talent, etc. But they actively promote and market the league as an arduous physical challenge on a nightly basis. And when it gets to the playoffs, it is only about the strongest that survive. It, it becomes less about skill and speed and talent and more about war and will and determination. Yeah, they've often promoted it that way. And it is sometimes a battle of attrition. And we've seen that sometimes the rules shift a little bit in the playoffs and different styles of play may be permitted that may not have been during the regular season. So it's a bit disappointing in that aspect. You know, you want guys, you want fans watching the game for hockey. You want to see the skill. You want to see the scoring. You want to see the speed, not necessarily 171 penalty minutes like we saw. And even to hear the broadcasters during Wednesday night's game at intermission talking about answering the call and fighting and the importance of fighting in the game and good for the Rangers for sticking up. And at the same time, throwing Wilson under the bus for throwing a guy to the ice. I mean, you can't I feel like you can't have it both ways when right. it comes to this unrestrained level of just brutal physicality. And I don't want to get rid of hitting. And I think fighting has a place, but less and less of a place. But, you know, you're glorifying fighting in, in one sentence. And at the same time, you're, you're trying to chastise a guy who's made his career playing that type of hockey. It's it's a tough spot for the league to be in. And I felt like you know, they're trying to play both sides of it. I agree with you. And I think that's where it becomes difficult for me to handle. It's like, well, pick a side. Either you are going to go down this road and you're not only going to have physical play play a greater role, but you're going to tolerate the the scrums that occur regularly, far more regularly in some games. I find them to be a giant pain in the ass, quite frankly. It's just, it's a waste of time. Like, let's get on with it. I understand that it's intense. And I understand that sometimes you do lose your cool a bit and, and things will boil over. But there are times when it gets out of hand and it needs to be squelched. Absolutely. And, you know, I want to see a guy get back at another guy. I want to see a nice clean body check to retaliate for a clean body check. I want to see, you know, get your revenge on the scoreboard, score a goal, play well to have the scrums, to have some of that nonsense, to have it get ugly and, and downright nasty. I know folks will call it old time hockey, but it's been a long time since old time hockey. And uh, it's it's something that I think a good, fast, hard-nosed, clean-checking game is is the best thing the league can have. And you're right, Todd, the, the scrums, the, the nonsense like that, it's not doing any favors for anybody, and it's certainly not benefiting the game of hockey. And that's that's exactly it. Okay, so the the reaction was predictable with with three fights immediately in the in the follow up game. Some suggested, including Pierre Maguire, who was doing an amazing job of carrying the league's water during the game broadcast. I thought last night that if they had simply suspended Tom Wilson for one game, would any of this have happened? Well. I find it puzzling that a league that is so focused on public relations and public perception, why wouldn't they do the easy thing and ding Tom Wilson? I, I understand that maybe it doesn't rise to the level, but these are exceptional circumstances. It missed an opportunity, and I don't think this could have really played out any worse for the league because it's going to continue for another few days because Pavel Bushnevich is now going to get suspended. Right, and and I, I think it's a valid question. I think if Wilson is suspended, none of this happens. 
I mean, Brandon Smith from the Rangers commented after last night's game and said, I didn't have a beef with anybody else on the team. Uh, he, he just took issue with the Wilson Panarin and I guess Wilson Buknevich altercation uh, from the prior game. So if he did sit for the game, if it was looked at as a, a dangerous play or, or possibly, I don't want to call it an intent to injure, but a scrum gone bad, if they had justification for it, I, I think they would have. I think they had a hard time finding, you know, what what rule did this violate other than being an unsportsmanlike conduct? And was it unsportsmanlike enough to necessitate supplemental discipline? Not considering the fact that it was Tom Wilson. And, and that's how player safety's process works. If, if you want to look at it under the different lens and say, okay, now we're going to look at this guy's history first and say, wait, it's Tom Wilson. This wouldn't have been a suspension, but because it's him, we're going to suspend him. That's not how they've approached it. I can understand the argument given Wilson's history for why maybe that should be reconsidered. I'll wrap this with maybe I think is a yes, no question. Does this cause a change or review in procedure or rules going forward? I don't think so. I don't think the league has the appetite to make knee-jerk reactions for one instance. Sorry, Matt Duchesne, offside. Um, I don't <laughs> think that there's really one thing that's going to define that. Sorry, hand pass, San Jose Sharks. But I, I think that they might want to look at, from a safety standpoint, and I think they should look at, let's look at the stuff between the whistles. And, and maybe we need to set the tone, and I think they absolutely should, that the stuff between the whistles is going to be, think of it as a driving through a construction zone. You get the multiplier, right? Something that happens during gameplay, you get a regular fine or a regular suspension. If it happens between the whistles, we're going to double it. Uh, you know, we're going to double your fine if you're speeding through a construction zone. Let's really crack down on the nonsense that's happening behind the play, between the whistles, and things like this, because it's not part of hockey. And I, I think if any opportunity the league has, that's where I would hope that they would focus on really cleaning up the stuff that happens after the play stops. I think that's a good way to look at it, that there is a multiplier. But I fear nothing will happen, which means it's inevitable that we'll have a similar circumstance once again. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> okay, let's move on to a couple of other things, because there are a couple of other things we want to get into. Pens and flyers, which is always a spirited contest in the Keystone State. First of back-to-back -back games, Philly waxes Pittsburgh, puts up seven goals. Next time out, Pens return the favor with a converted touchdown. Late in the game, Tuesday, flyer defenseman Shane Gostaspears chasing down Penn's forward Mark Friedman, who's about to deposit the puck in an empty Flyers net. After the puck goes in, Gostaspears cross-checks Friedman, sends him hard into the boards. Fortunately, he was not injured. Ghost got two minutes for cross-checking and a hearing with player safety, who added a two-game suspension. Uh, I've got no problem with this. In fact, I think it should be even more. That's a dirty play where there is a risk of real potential injury. Absolutely. And this is one of those situations, like we were talking about, of... It's effectively behind the play. It's after an empty net goal has been scored. So this is not, I was going after the puck. This is not, hey, I was trying to get the body on the guy to separate him from the puck. This is purely a, a frustrated cross-check to the back. It's a dangerous play given the speed and the proximity to the board. So no problem with the suspension. I think these, you know, the types of things when you see a player putting another player's health or safety at risk is, back to the Wilson point, the type of thing that the league should crack down on. So I'm glad that they did it. Uh, I think that's that's a no-tolerance type of penalty to me, something that you you absolutely don't want to see happen because it was fortunate this time for Friedman, but I, if you have that same play happen 10 times, that guy's getting injured eight, nine of those. No question, no question. And to wrap up, here's an interesting one. 
The second NHL television rights deal for the United States was announced late last week. So we know that after this season, NBC says goodbye, ESPN and now Turner Sports will take over coverage of the National Hockey League. Both networks are already working on their plans for the game and league coverage. Here's where we make our pitch again, Josh. We need a referee analyst as part of the broadcast. It is a glaring omission that continues, and we will not rest until it is corrected. Absolutely, and this is the perfect time to rally for it. I want this to be an arms race. I want ESPN and Turner to be fighting for which official they're going to have on their <laughs> broadcast team. I, I want, you know, I want Kerry Fraser in one booth. I want maybe Paul Stewart in the other one, maybe Don Koharski. There's plenty of former NHL officials who don't currently work for the league as officiating managers that we could tap for this. But I think it's a brilliant idea. It's one that should have happened years and years ago. And for these rights holders to not have an official during the gameplay, during intermission to explain calls and talk about player safety and talk about the rulebook, how do you not do it, especially when you're trying to bring new fans and educate them on the game? And the, the rule book can be so difficult to interpret and complicated to understand if you come into it and you just start watching the game. It's like, well, wait a minute. You, you, it takes you a few minutes to kind of figure out where you're going and how come that was offside and that wasn't offside. I thought the puck went in first here, but it, it didn't. It, it can become very difficult and confusing. They don't have to be interjecting after every play, but it is an opportunity to help your fans, help grow the audience, help grow the game. And I, and I think that maybe it's been resisted because it's not perceived that way. It's viewed as, well, we're going to be critical of everything. And that's not the case. No, there's plenty of ways to do it and to explain the rules without throwing guys under the bus. I mean, there, there are always going to be missed calls. You don't have to focus on those. Or maybe you can look at the situation around it of why a referee may have not seen that play. But the goal is not to throw a guy under the bus for a call. It's to explain the calls that happened and explain why some of them didn't. Understanding when a player turns before a boarding call or, or understanding what results in an icing getting waved off, those types of things. You have plenty of broadcast teams that don't necessarily understand or get the rule book. Why not bring in a guy who knows the rule book inside and out, who's comfortable in front of a mic? And we know plenty of refs who are comfortable in front of the mic. Sure, yeah. Hey, sometimes they're on, sometimes they're not. You never know. <laughs> well, hopefully, you know when your mic's turned on in this situation, but definitely an opportunity exists, and, and it would be brilliant, extremely wise, of either of these broadcasters or both to take advantage and get a zebra up there in the booth. That's right. Grow the zebra population. That's our mantra. The Scouting the Refs podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with code REFS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code REFS. That's R-E-F-S. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped.